All right. Hello. Hi. We're here live in the studio. Dave and Dan try to keep us down. This was a real doozy. Guys, we were at Grady's house. We were on the couch. We were ready. We did a sound test. And then we go to actually record and the mic stops working. And we try a different cable, try a different port. (laughs) We did everything. Uh, A different computer. Different computer. Like, and it was just fucking working. Like, I heard it. Yeah, we saw it. We listened (laughs) to the recording of it to test the levels (laughs) and to test, you know, in person, you want to make sure, like, you're actually balanced because it's harder, Mm -hmm. I think, to extricate those than in in, uh, separate recordings. (laughs) And we got all that right. And then, boom, they hit us with the with the death ray. And, and now so we're at my are. house. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a process, but we're here. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, today, we are opening the mailbag. Yes. And getting to some of your questions that we've amassed over the months, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time we did it. But. A couple months ago, probably. Okay, let's get going. I'll be the question reader. Uh, mostly because I gave you most of the questions to answer. I Thank you. I didn't give myself a lot of homework this week because I was busy. <laughs> so, uh, and the ones that I did assign myself were both answering, and I'm just going to make shit up. I didn't prepare anything. So Nice. This is good. All right. Uh, well done. I'm going to be a great professor one day. You, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're making a case for being in the lazies camp. <laughs> But you're going to edit all this, so it's fine. It's fine. I can make myself sound great. Okay. First up, from John. My question is, as I look at communist states through history, they all seem to end up with one guy at the top of the political pyramid who is more or less a dictator. Ooh, start with a spicy one. Mm, Okay. While many of these states do have instruments and constitutional laws for a fully democratic system without consolidated power in one man, they seem to end up with that. Why is that? All right. Do we agree with this premise? That's my first part of the <laughs> question. Um, because I think, I think that's that's an important uh, point to make, mm-hmm. right? Is to what extent did actually existing and then historical states, socialist states like the Soviet Union that aren't around anymore, uh, to what extent did they end up as one-man dictatorships? So mm-hmm. That's the assertion that's being made. We need to make sure that it's a true one. I think this is a recurring theme in our show. We we talk about this sometimes, but it's worth revisiting because it's a common thing that you as a listener will encounter in your daily life. And that's the latent anti-communism that we're steeped in. It's nobody's fault in terms of like the workers themselves, regular people. It's like you're the overall. It's the ecosystem. Yeah. It's the, it's the whole thing that you're in the soup that we are all mired in the common sense that we breathe in the air in capitalist society. We're not necessarily even explicitly taught, although we are, but that's not really (laughs) what we're thinking about when we when people knee jerk react and say communist countries, you know, bad dictatorships, one, you know, bad guy, or at least very bossy guy has all the power. Everyone has to do what he says. Yeah. I mean, when you even talked about, you know, it's not what we're taught. Uh, yeah, no one ever sat me down and was like, hey, welcome to History 101, Stalin is evil. It was always just like kind of an assumed knowledge, you like know? Like a cultural cachet yeah, thing, too. like a stereotype, yeah. really. Like you learned it through fucking cartoons and like just just by being a person. Yeah, and by and large, this is not true. It has elements 
of truth to it, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's used as propaganda that oversimplifies things to a ridiculous extent. I'm and sorry. Can you scoot your legs back so Remy can lay down? <laughs> He's so sad. What do you mean? Like, scoot your knees back. He wants to lay down on you. Lay yeah, down. like that. He'll okay. lay down on you. Okay. Sorry. He looks really <laughs> uncomfortable. Look, there he goes. He's like, fucking thank you. I love how he wasn't going to move. He's going to make you move. And make me wait. make you move. Yeah. <laughs> this will change eventually. He's a prince. All right. Uh, now, I don't mean to belittle what you're no, saying, John, for sure. Like, I appreciate the question. And I think many of you guys, when you, when you're listening to this, either came from that point of view at some point, or, you know, maybe it's your first episode, you still have that uh, idea. And it's not, again, it's not to say this completely without any sort of grounds whatsoever. I think there's dictatorship elements in a lot of these things. Or maybe the perception of it, at the very least, definitely the perception of it. Yeah. Um, or, like, that's how it's reported on. For sure. But I think there are, like like you said, there, there's some truth in it. Yeah, there's some... Yeah, so so even if you take you know your your er examples in mm-hmm. terms of like Stalin, well, it's like a Stalin or this fucking you know, guy. the Kim Dynasty or something. When when you look at their situation, you and step back and analyze the whole thing, you're going to see that you know whether it's Stalin or whoever they're saying is a dictator is like you mentioned in the question, uh, governing as part of a constitutional system as part of like an overall government with rules. Uh, and in the case of Stalin, he, in within the Soviet Union, represented a particular faction, you know, among several different kind of competing uh, groups within the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, within the working class of their country overall. Yeah, I would say it is interesting that Stalin, and to my knowledge, like Castro, these guys never like said, Ha ha, I am ruler for life. They never went forward and, you know, went full Palpatine or something. Oh, sure. And Stalin even, believe it or not, tried to resign a number of times. Really? Yeah. This, this is something that we that you run into, and it's, it's kind of a back and forth, uh, sort of a football between communists and anti-communists, right? So communists who are sort of defending the good things that Stalin did say he tried to resign, and anti-communists and you'll also get anarchists and stuff too who will say oh but this is like caesar using the crown so mm, it's, it's like, like a, a for show kind of yeah, thing. yeah or like everyone's too afraid to tell mm. no but okay one example is when his wife in 1932 they had a very rocky relationship she ended up committing suicide yeah he tries to resign presumably because he's just an emotional wreck. Yeah. Is what it seems like people describe him as being emotionally hardened after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't seem fake. Yeah. That's a weird fake if it is. And uh, biographies, uh, memoirs, and everything you know, from the Soviet Union, from people in leadership and stuff, say basically we convinced him to stay. Mm-hmm. The Politburo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also argue maybe, oh, the Politburo, this is a concentration of power too. This mm-hmm. is fair, right? Uh, but, like, how much of that... Okay, this is a philosophical question. Okay. What if everyone, like, genuinely agreed and was on board, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it, it's almost like the, you know, the classic question of, like, oh, if it's a good dictator, is it okay? If it's a democracy where everyone happens to agree, is that okay? <laughs> right, yeah. And that's the question with socialist states is it's a different animal than... A capitalist state because of who it's working for yeah like 
it, to us, like seeing even a one party system seems so uh, foreign and so not at all what we think of as quote unquote democracy. But like, you have to look closer at it than that. Like, you can't just assume, oh, everyone's brainwashed. Oh, everyone's, you know, that one party means dictatorship. Yeah. Because in our system, and it's not like two party is good by any means. Um, but it, it's a different set of assumptions going in, I guess. Well, yeah. In our system, the government is tangibly the enemy. Right? Yes. The government no, is we don't like either party. <laughs> yeah. And, and so when the government does stuff, it, it can. And, and you have to kind of make sure you have you know, enough power within the political system to try to get some stuff that's good. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But mm, generally, the government is not working for you, and anything it does to help you is incidental or is trying to distract you or whatever. Yeah. Right? But in a worker state, it's yours. Like, it's a yeah. different thing. It's it's an agent, a tool to be used by your class to advance your class interests. So you want it to be strong. And you want to participate. Uh, yeah, and you don't necessarily want it to be within one guy. And that's what we're saying is you do have these elements like the Politburo or like the Central Committee or like whatever the governmental structures that we would create in a in a future leftist project. You you want those organs to be exercising power and you know maybe temporarily they have to put it to one guy or something to do a thing, but usually you're going to have some sort of democratic you'll have process i mean you know to put it in a maybe american way you'll have checks and balances like it's not going to be just one guy yeah and especially you know within whatever either vanguard party or revolutionary organization of some sort i mean then you have to talk about the delicate dance that is democratic centralism mm-hmm. of like we're going to hash this out right as a group but we're going to have to come up with something otherwise we're just talking i mean know? that's the thing if you Consider democratic centralism, reminder for, or first-time listeners, that's when you, you do, you, like, every time you make a decision, you're like, all right, this is it, no going backsies, okay? Like, everyone's on board. We're, you sit down and figure it out until you're all aligned, and then you move forward. So I think a consequence of that system is that then it can then appear to be very, like, one note like there's no dissent and it's like well it's because we all worked it out (laughs) yeah that's the thing and when you start to fall away from either element of that right if you start to fall away from the unity of action Mm -hmm. where you come up with all the decisions and everything but then people are sore losers and they say well whatever man i'm gonna protest anyway then you're gonna look divided and you're gonna be divided Mm -hmm. your party starts to split things are bad Mm -hmm. when you miss out on the first part when you miss out on the freedom of discussion yeah and everything. Then you really are what they're saying. You're the one note, just just, just towing the party line. And yeah, you're you know, and that's a way you can, when you say, how did this happen in history? The extent to which it did, mm-hmm. right? Because I think there are elements of that that there's a reason people are criticizing it for. Yeah, right? yeah. Is that the failure of that first part of democratic centralism of saying, yeah, we didn't do enough discussion of this there was a little bit of more of like hey paula beer says we're gonna do this that sounds good yeah let's do it yeah and you like know? we did have a lot of discussion about stalin and, and his consolidation of power and how like yeah that definitely was uncomfortable like i i was not a fan of that yeah i think he wasn't just ruling against everyone's wishes he wasn't this cruel tyrant and everyone was like damn i wish every day everyone 100 percent of people were like i wish this guy wasn't here you know <laughs> he wasn't a despot yeah he 
sure, there were probably lots of people. I wouldn't argue the majority of people who preferred someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say he was more popular among regular people than maybe like <laughs> leadership or intelligentsia or certainly the Western world by the end oh, of it. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's he, he ends up with this cartoonish representation. You totally. know, and there's several dictators, quote unquote, that end up with this kind of unfair title, I think. You yeah. Know, they're, they're part of a government. They're part of a faction. They're part of a system that... They end up in a leadership position, but they just don't. They just don't hold all the levers of power. It's a huge country. Like you, one person cannot physically no come up with all the things that everyone has to do. Yeah. What about Castro? Uh, Castro, the Cuban situation uh, in its initial days mm-hmm. did have a bit of. It was a junta. Well, yeah, it was, it was sort of a, a tumultuous thing of of in the revolutionary days when you would essentially once they captured Havana and everything and really took power. You kind of had mass meetings of people, mm. just the people in the city yeah. coming out and being like, hey, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? And then the party <laughs> leadership would be like, well, people want this. Okay, let's do it. Uh, and they <laughs> would just take action. Yeah, it was very, there, there wasn't much system to it. Once yeah. they systematize things, mm-hmm. uh, you end up with, I mean, a very, a, a democratic system to the extent that it even has uh elements of direct democracy yeah yeah we talked about like all their local councils and like how granular that can get yeah i find that very impressive and the opposite of a dictatorship i'd say oh yeah and that's when you come down to the electoral process this is what we focus on because it's the only scrap that they give us of democracy (laughs) in our country uh but in cuba that's not the case so in cuba electoralism is only really kind of part of it it's not the most important part you're not paid and you're you're paid like what you would be normally paid. That's if you're choosing to be a full-time politician mm-hmm. because you have some big responsibility. It's not a way to get rich. Mm-hmm. Take, contrast that to <laughs> the millions that Pelosi Ugh. or McConnell or somebody like that have made, right? <laughs> yeah, there you most of their lawmakers are they're encouraged anyway to work full-time <laughs> and just do that on the side, mm-hmm. right? So and their and their electoral process, you know, in terms of electing people, uh, there's also in terms of referendums and stuff. And people say, "Oh, well, you had this constitutional referendum, and it was just so overwhelming; it had to be rigged." But like, it is almost a formality because the people in multiple, multiple, multiple—an annoying number, really—from the American perspective, <laughs> who would show up to all these meetings? <laughs> they had all these meetings of the community to literally directly write articles that would go into their new yeah. constitution into laws they make so again like <laughs> once you spend that much time hashing it out of course everyone agrees because you fucking did the work yeah and in the case of fidel castro himself i would argue that no he didn't relinquish power really until mm-hmm. he was very old but that had he tried, he would have been rejected. Like yeah, his he was people, fucking popular. Yeah, he, he, he saved uh, their tiny country uh, from invasion and, and reconquest by the United States. Yeah, he's like that guy in uh, Iran, the Mossadegh guy. Like, he tried to well, resign and everyone was like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, even before that, he had led the uh, the bearded guerrillas in, in freeing the country from the yoke of Batista. There's no way they're letting him go. They're like, oh, sorry, this is your gig for life. (laughs) He was seemingly bulletproof against the CIA. I mean, the guy was, you know, (laughs) 
was awesome in that respect. So, yeah, maybe he does make some bad decisions. Some some decisions that he even later admitted to regretting. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, I wish I had taken action to be pro-LGBT sooner in my, in my career. Like, we were, you know, we did anti-gay sort of things, and I mm-hmm. let that happen, and that was bad. Yeah. He said that in, like, the 80s. Wow. In um, the 80s he said that? I think it was the late 80s, but yeah. That's impressive um, compared to our fucking... Yeah, Ronald Reagan over there laughing at the AIDS crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and fucking Thatcher in the UK. Ugh, my God. Yeah. So, but but they, but, I mean, Cuba itself had a bad rap on that and has only really recently taken concrete actions to reverse that. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, again, any of these projects are going to make mistakes, but to claim that they are one-man dictatorships, I think, goes too far. I think, yeah, I think you can make the argument like, they consolidate a lot of power. But again, I think you have to look behind those systems to understand how that happens. And like, sure, maybe some of it, like I'm thinking of, uh, but even still, it's a fictional movie. I'm thinking of the death of Stalin of like, yeah, everyone seemed real anxious about Stalin and pleasing Stalin. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, I How much of that is just actual respect for a person? <laughs> yeah, or respect for what he represents, the will mm-hmm. of the people. He, what he supports is what the majority of the people support, and that's why it's you know the party keeps putting you know him and people who agree with him in high leadership positions. That's part of the story. Part of the story also is as you're consolidating power, there, there's it's not just you wake up one day and say let's just do this. Why not? This will be fun. <laughs> there's a reason that that socialist states in particular end up with this. Uh, with more of a concentration of power in certain historical circumstances. Those circumstances being, maybe all the imperialist countries decide to invade you. Yeah, and you like have to have strong leadership in that case. Yeah, or you're gearing up to fight the Nazi menace. (laughs) Maybe you need a strong leader at that point. Yeah. Uh, Because you're going to have to do like fairly brutal things. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is going to agree. And you're going to piss off people i think even more if you say oh well gee we'll wait around and we'll try to we'll do a study <laughs> yeah well we'll negotiate everything out and every by that time it's 1941 and you're being overridden you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's fair same same with cuba i'd say same with vietnam like you're out there making some real fucking hard decisions yeah yeah and it's it's easy to to talk about well we need processes we need this and that but it's also easy to understand why countries would say Hey, we don't really have time for a process right now. We need to get shit done immediately. Let's do this. And again, I I do think it's oversimplifying to say they just said, you, you've got all the power, (laughs) right? But there is an element of streamlining. We said there's a kernel of truth to that. I think that's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. So your average capitalist, I think, is too incapable of nuance to really get that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So I get it. I get what you mean. And I'm, I'm really not trying to harp too much on you as like, oh, you were ill-informed. No, but no, just no. A, like, I, I don't want this to come across as like... A slam. A, yeah, a slam or like, no, this is a bad question or a bad faith question. I think it is... I think it's a bad question because like, right. I, I think in our ideal project, it wouldn't be that way. But mm-hmm. I think no socialist project has been in an ideal situation. Yeah. So that's, I guess, the second part of what I wanted to talk about is, let's talk about how can we improve upon mm-hmm. what socialist societies have already done. So I think we're on the same page about like the cause of it, the siege socialism, as Parenti would call it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, 
I mean, even from the earliest days, like uh, Engels had a, an, basically an article, really short, uh, that he wrote that was on authoritarianism. And he's trashing people who are saying they are anti-authoritarian. Mm. And one of the things he says is, my man, there is nothing more authoritarian than a revolution. <laughs> a revolution says this armed group is going to try to impose its will on the other group. Right? Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what you're doing. So you're going to start in less than ideal circumstances yeah, unless you're very lucky. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think then we have to say, what would we do? Once that moment has passed, to guard against uh, concentrations of power, because I think that's important. You know, that could be harmful. It could derail us. What if the wrong guy gets in there? What What would you, know. you say? What would someone like Kropotkin say? I'm thinking about his work, and he never really touches on like concentration of power. It, it is very, uh, I don't know, divided. It is very like kind of like what we're talking about in early Cuba, just like the people decide. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, what do we think about that as an approach, a more anarchist approach? A more anarchist approach would say the people decide because they're armed and they decide by (laughs) might. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And so the popular will of the people, they're just not going to allow someone, some asshole to come and take power. Unless everyone really likes this asshole. (laughs) Yeah, and even then they take a step out of line with the popular will and mm-hmm. boom you know yeah. they're gone or at least they're threatened into leaving there is a tendency among people who learn about communism and say oh this sounds very good mm-hmm. uh, this will fix a lot of problems to take a more idealistic approach that sort of sanitizes away the bits about like oh yeah you know why does everyone decide to do this? well everyone's armed so <laughs> they make it happen yeah. It's, you know, kind of our, our more timid sides. Squeamish. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely that. <laughs> like, I'm like, I give strikes. I'm like, oh, I didn't like when they killed all those people. Like, sometimes you have to kill all those people. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. like a, hell yeah, I'm so horny for killing people. It's like a, I had to do this. Yeah. That, or at least I, that with the information that I had, I thought I had to do this. Historically, that's what has happened. Mm-hmm. It is possible that it doesn't have to happen. We could be wrong and just reform rad. our way into it the capitalist could say ah we found another planet see you later <laughs> going to money planet and yeah and then we're all we're all here and everything but historically it hasn't worked out that way so i think truly i know i just sound like a big cuba fanboy right now but i think those local sources of power are so important like if you have a healthy system that leads up to those guys that are like you know in charge of larger pieces of land or whatever or larger more broad decisions then you should be okay like even if that decision does turn out to be like yeah we elected the same guy 20 times over like he's really cool <laughs> <laughs> like that might just be a consequence of like yeah what if a guy's really popular or you know i guess you could theoretically be like yeah let's do some term limits and stuff but like i wonder how necessary that is if like if there is a really good person in charge like would you want that could that ever come back to bite you yeah i that's always been my thing with term limits is you're penalizing yourself in a way because you're making someone relearn (laughs) yeah well yeah and and you're you're requiring yourself to throw out somebody that you would otherwise elect yeah if you don't have internal party democracy and other you know freedoms like that that you're exercising in you know in reality 
then sure. I mean, term limits are kind of good because... Because you're stuck with different choices that other people are imposing on you. Yeah, but in a in a healthy functioning democracy that's very like grassroots and up. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. A, yeah, just I think it's fine to have the same guy if you really like that guy. And I don't want to keep him. Yeah. Um. And and I would also, you know, recommend kind of the Vietnam model as well of having those like popular fronts and things like that. So it isn't just you know people claim like oh it's just one party it's like well it's one party and it's also like all these interest groups that like inform the party mm. so like it is it's other avenues to get involved if you're if you for some reason don't want to be in the party or if you like want to approach it from a, a specific viewpoint yeah then i think that's a good call too right it's saying like you have a stake in this country and what we're doing and the project like you're being heard we're putting your ideas into action here's how sort of thing you know when the party knows they've got to go talk to all these groups and and tell them how they're a part of it like it's a way to keep them accountable mm-hmm. you know i would say also y- y- you hear from me all the time the mass line you gotta have the mass line <laughs> yeah. man. you gotta be asking the people i mean it's from the leadership perspective a little bit more i think yours is more like from the ground up perspective which mm-hmm. i like but you, you you want to make sure that your leadership does not separate itself come up with completely different ideas of what people want, create this gulf to where people are like, oh, yeah, party leadership. I forgot about those assholes. <laughs> you, know? uh, you need to have that vigorous public debate of all these issues. Yeah. Like, actually be talking shit out, finding out what do people want, convincing them when you come back and say, hey, we came up with this idea. It's good because X, Y, Z. You like this. We, you told us this. We're doing this. You know. Wow, when you have that, I mean, the concentration of power, everyone's going to give you a big thumbs up, you know, yeah. and, and say, go do the thing. Be powerful in our... In our name. Yeah, in our name. You're because, actually working for us. Like, yeah. here, you know, we like to say, like, ooh, politicians work for me. Like, they absolutely don't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in this system, they actually would. That's the thing. So, uh, John, I definitely appreciate the question there. No, definitely, definitely. Uh, I think it's a fair question, both from, like, a that's a genuine question to ask and also a good question for our listeners because I'm sure that comes up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this dovetails nicely into our next question from Tim. He was referencing our episode on the rise of the Labour Party in the UK and um, something that we talked about was how, in contrast uh, to to what was happening then, everything seems to have moved to the right. Um, but we also praised that electoralism worked in that episode uh, to make meaningful reform. Mm-hmm. Do you think this could happen again in Western democracy? Is there anyone you look at in today's political landscape in the West that you think could succeed electorally and make meaningful change? Is there hope of things moving leftward again, maybe under the guise of increased union membership? Mm, okay. I will say. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Instagram does, uh, now they do uh, memories in your stories. So, like, it lets you see what you posted a year ago, two years oh, ago, okay. et cetera. Yeah. Um, like Facebook does, but it's I get with that stories. with Google Photos. Yeah. So, I was going through that, and I came upon my Chopped series. Do you remember this? Your Chopped series? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, in the uh, freaking debate? The debates. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, it was weird times going through that. Listeners, in my in my lib days, I would watch the presidential elections and like do commentary on my Instagram stories, like and, on like, the debates, on the debates, and um, I would like x out people once they said something I disagreed with, and it was so weird going into that little time capsule of like, wow, I like actually thought Elizabeth Warren had some good ideas. <laughs> yeah, good job. 
Yeah, I I chopped a lot of losers though. Who survived in that? Did anyone survive? It the first few debates, I think I let Kamala go through a few times. Ooh. I don't know what I was fucking drinking, but I know same I same thing drinking. as her probably. Probably, man, she's got a good <laughs> cocktail going on right now of meds. Uh, yeah, by the end of it, it was really only Liz and Bernie that I kept. And then Bernie. I was, I was a big Bernie stan. Yeah, still same. kind of. I still like him. Every time I see him online, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? So, number one, do we think <laughs> electoralism can make meaningful reform again in a Western <sighs> democracy? I hope, but I don't hope much. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I say yes. <laughs> if I think a lot of stuff would have to happen. Yeah. I, I think a lot of circumstances would have to be changed. There would have to be some sort of, I don't know, because I mean, what we were talking about earlier with, with you know, the, the ecosystem, the the climate of anti, not even communist, just anti-left mm-hmm. in, in the states in particular is so deep right now that, like, there would have to be some massive cultural shift, in my opinion, for this to happen. Yeah. I guess I argue yes, and I think it will happen. Mm, okay. I do not, however, know the time scale. I just think it will happen at some point. Like maybe no. I mean, maybe not because we run out of literal time. I think we'll like, run out of time we'll, before we'll just that fry, happens. But <laughs> we'll all die first. <laughs> but uh, from my point of view, conditions do look really shitty in imperialist countries. I agree. In terms of worker rights, in terms of electoral prospects, in terms of rights for marginalized people. They've looked a lot better, but I think they've looked worse, too. I don't know. Something I was thinking about the other day, like, my husband was kind of joking. He was like, oh, like, I can't wait till a few generations when, like, everyone's done with being religious. And I was like, I don't think that's going to happen, buddy. Uh, and he just, because of, like, the people he hangs out with and, mm-hmm. like, he just thinks that he assumes, he's like, everyone I meet is, like, on the same page as me. of like, yeah, we're not into that. And I'm like, oh, let me show you my hometown. Like, that ain't changing. Like, a yeah. lot of people that I know, like, are still in that world. And so that's how I feel about this, too, of just like, yeah, I, I have mostly very far left friends. And like, we all are like, yeah, fuck capitalism. But mm-hmm. like, you can go somewhere else and it's a different fucking story. Yeah. So I'm very hesitant to be like, to just blindly trust in a new generation to like, be good for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So because ge- they're being raised by somebody. <laughs> right. And generational politics, I, I think is, is a reductive. Yeah, it's it's not. There is an element of age that tends to group you one way or the other, but people still grow up rich and poor, working class and bourgeois. Mm-hmm. That's what ultimately, in a class analysis of things, is going to de- determine things more. Yes, you're going to have yeah. traders either way, but that's like really well, that, where they're at. Yeah, and like the whole idea behind, not the whole idea, but one big thing about generational theory when it comes to politics of, you know, the classic, oh, you'll get more conservative as you get older. The idea with that is that you'll also become wealthier as you get older. Like, that's not happening for a lot of people. Yeah. So, like, that's going to change this, the equation. That's true. To an extent, I think, because in an imperialist country like the United States, you also have to deal with other elements of, in terms of race, mm-hmm. in terms of other intersections of oppression, where it's like, yeah, you're poor, you're working class. But you're more interested in defending like your whiteness or your yes. maleness that yes. ends up pushing you in a conservative direction anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, back to the question. <laughs> yeah, back to the question. Uh, so anyway, I say it's definitely possible. I don't know what time scale, but the other part said, okay, specifically any individuals, right? Any people that you're looking at in today's 
political landscape that you think could succeed in making meaningful change. And uh, my first reaction to this was no. Yes, I'm making a face. <laughs> I like Jeremy Corbyn and his cat. Well, uh, yeah, okay. So that's and that's part of the reason I said no because like he's done. He's done. Bernie's, Bernie's done. done. Like right? all the ones that we thought maybe could save us in this last burst of enthusiasm. Like I went to a big Bernie rally. I had a great time. And I was full of hope in that beautiful February of 2020. Yeah, things have changed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was right before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. It was a big old gathering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but the more I thought about it, though... Um, Bernie, too. Still burning. Well, uh, <laughs> there's more hope to be had around. So, uh, in, in the West specifically is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So, looking at that sort of situation, I do think the U.S. and the U.K., pretty grim prospects. We don't really see a lot mm-hmm. uh, in our benches. God, I heard someone sniffing around Kamala for 2024, and I just wanted to commit seppuku right there at my laptop. <laughs> yeah, Lib's gonna lib. I mean, who knows? Goodness. Uh, That's, I'm no longer interested in any of that. Mm-mm. At the leadership level, at least, there can be maybe some ground, you know, groundwork, grassroots sort of stuff in either country that I don't really know about. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but broader... Other Western countries, a, a few points. So France, sort of at the same time that Bernie and, and Corbyn, around that same time period, there's a guy, Jean-Luc Mélenchon. Uh, now, it sounds like yeah. you said Jean-Luc Mélenchamp. Like. Jean-Luc Mélenchamp. That's a good <laughs> mashup. There. Yeah. Just a small French boy. <laughs> <laughs> is that him? No, that's fucking Boston. That's funny. What? What uh, is his song? Uh, but, uh, Jack and Diane, yeah. it would be uh, Jacques and Diana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. What's this guy? Jean-Luc Mélenchon. Mélenchon. Who had a big race, got defeated. But it was like, oh, maybe close. this leftist guy is going to take power. All right, but uh, he's still in Congress mm-hmm. in France. And France might be changing sooner than we think. Mm. Uh, Macron just pass through without letting parliament vote on it uh the the pension reform thing this fucking macron and basically they're gonna have a no confidence vote but it's unlikely that they're gonna manage a no confidence vote so it's just gonna go through let's start calling him micron just to piss him off he's he's an asshole smashing that i think is might have a backlash Mm -hmm. you know here's hoping that the left can harness that better than the right Mm mm-hmm but it's possible. So, I mean, you know, things can rapidly change. Maybe they will change there. Uh, Spain. Oh, what's Spain doing? Spain has a left-led uh, government. Nice. Uh, led by the Spanish Socialist Workers Party. Fuck yeah. Uh, they're less radical than they used to be. I'll still take it, man. But yeah. And they're <laughs> you in got an, the right label, at least. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they're in an alliance with Unidas Podemos. Oh, together uh, we can. Yeah, this is a, uh, a leftist coalition. It includes within that, so they have the Podemos party, which is pretty left. Mm. Uh, they have within that coalition, though, also United Left, which is like a, a federation of parties, which includes the Communist Party of Spain. Nice. They're not even as hardcore as they used to be either. I mean, they're mm-hmm. doing electoralism here, right? But yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good array of groups. Yeah, I, I wouldn't complain if we had that situation going on. I'd be like, all right, cool. Let's beat these guys. Let's bully these fools. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, uh, keep an eye on them, I guess. I don't know. 
I couldn't if we find have any details. Listeners from Spain, let us know. Yeah, for sure. I know they had a train fiasco where Ooh. they approved. Um, they had they paid some firm to like drop plans for a new train system or something Ooh. like that, and they built the. They built these trains to a different size specification, so they couldn't actually fit in the tunnels of like <laughs> oh, no. the entire northern region of the country or something along oh, those lines. Oh, no. so, that's foolish. Yeah, so that's going to delay things there. I don't know who's personally responsible in that. But Just some guy. Fucked up that one, but, uh, you know. Shit happens. Yeah, it's not like they were executing we people mistakes. or something. Yeah, that's that's a pretty bloodless mistake. Yeah, no trains were actually like built to that specific. <laughs> they, and they crash in a tunnel or something, you know. <laughs> Uh, in Ireland, mm. Sinn Fein. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, so you know, we we talked about it, and then we're corrected about yes. it. You know, and I appreciated that because it made me look more into what they're kind of about and everything. And Sinn Fein is currently the largest party in the Republic of Ireland's Doyle Aaron since 2020 uh, in that election. It's funny though; they're not in power <laughs> because the other uh, major parties who hate each other. Mm-hmm. Teamed up oh in God. a uh, parliamentary alliance to keep them from power. Classic. <laughs> in Northern Ireland, uh, in the Northern Ireland Assembly, since 2022, in that election, Sinn Féin became the largest party there. Sick. But they couldn't take power there because the Democratic Unionist Party said, we're not going to let you appoint a speaker. And so their their government basically shut down. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> but the... Sinn Féin party looking into kind of what they're about, you know, in addition to campaigning for a united Republican Ireland, uh, they support kind of as part of as part of that, as part of that social democracy they're trying to build uh, reforms like social housing, uh, rent control, living wages, state provided child care, free school meals year round, uh, the right to disconnect from work, which I like. that's been that's kind of a bill around in different European countries of like... You can't email after a certain time or whatever. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Or be penalized for not responding. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and unfortunately, I guess fortunately because they're trying to do it, but unfortunately because they don't have it, universal health care. Oh, no. They still have like a kind of private system. Uh. It's free if you're poor enough, but mm-hmm. you have to pay fees for service otherwise. Gotcha. But anyway, something to keep an eye on there, I guess. Yeah. Ireland, you know, has a, a decently cool party in charge in both the Republic and Northern Ireland. Germany? Germany's a little bit of a weak case. Uh, yeah, they do a lot of finances kind of stuff there, right? What? What, what is okay, this? Okay, no, okay. This is all based on hearsay of people call Frankfurt Bankfurt because it has so many banks in it. Oh, okay. Like, it's a big hub for, for business. Okay, all right. Uh, I suppose they're... They are one of the wealthier countries mm-hmm. in the European Union, so maybe. I don't, I don't know. know too much. I just this thought all, all countries secondhand. do banking. So, Well, no, yeah, yeah. It just it seems like a very businessy place. I don't know. I don't know if yeah, that's accurate. That, that's probably right. Uh, but their governing party is the Social Democratic Party, like one of the OG socialist parties. Mm-hmm. But the guy in charge currently is from their very centrist, moderate sort of wing, yeah. uh, Olaf Scholz. Uh, he, however, had like kind of a cool socialist youth like background and then you know reunification in germany he kind of drops off the map for a little while (laughs) and then he's back as this reformist politician sort of guy but he seemed initially kind of cool like working with he was in west germany but he was working his his through his social socialist youth programs and stuff 
they actually like went over to the GDR and met with like oh, cool. you know the German uh, the Free German Youth Group and mm-hmm. everything over there. But uh, yeah, nowadays it's kind of a centrist dude, so yeah, okay. yeah not a school. Uh, but I don't know about all the Western countries. I just looked up some of the ones that I had had passing knowledge of. And it's yeah, like, what are these guys up to? So it's like not completely bleak, I want to say. Okay. You know? Also, yeah, listeners, let us know. If you For have sure. some cool leftist government we don't know about, let us know about it. I'd love to know. Give me more hope. Speaking of more hope, mm-hmm. is there more hope of moving leftward and maybe through the unions? I think so. I, I think we are reaching a critical point in in work right now like i think everyone realizes like oh this fucking sucks yeah. and we know who the bad guys are we know what we need to do like i i don't know if it's just the the symptom of like you know once you become aware of something you notice it more but like i have seen more you know talk of of unions in the past few years than i have in a long time yeah no uh one of the one of the Starbucks near us in a town that is not very <laughs> known for its leftist politics. It's certainly not. Voted to unionize. Hell yeah. So, I mean, it's it's spreading. Yeah. Uh, but I think the important part of this question, under the guise of unions, is a big deal. Because I hope this came through in that Labor Party episode, that their emergence, the Labor Party's emergence, was from labor struggles rather than the other way around. It was the yes. strikes, it was the legislation around that, and people agitating and the unions agitating and saying, we need representation because these people are kicking our asses. Mm-hmm. Right? That was what drove the Labor Party into existence. And historically, it does seem like workers can make improvements to their lives, to society overall, if they fight for more improvements, even within a limited and insufficient parliamentary system. I mean, and that tracks the United States too. Like whenever we were at the top of our labor game in both unions, we also had the most socialist and leftist parties too. Like those yeah. go those go hand in hand. And it was the the time period in which uh, the politicians were at their most bullyable. Yes, <laughs> they're extremely vulnerable. So, uh, but you know, it's a double edged sword because they're also in some ways up against the wall and some of them want to kill you all yeah to use force to <laughs> to, to eliminate you mm-hmm. so it's the struggle right now with unionization i think has to be has to be won. it's yeah. it's important in, in terms of deciding the direction because you're talking about the electoralism angle of it and we're saying it not, does not have a lot of options but there's a few yeah it has a potential as a secondary effect of the unionization drive, mm-hmm. right that has to be that has to be more important fighting the capitalists in that way which itself is only part of the broader revolutionary struggle of right organizing the whole working class getting us ready to win in the revolutionary movement and take power mm-hmm. i guess what i what i mean to say is it's really dependent on that going the right way mm-hmm. because you know, like we said, if that gets crushed under someone's fucking boot heel, I think we're in trouble. Yeah, we thought we were going to go so far left. You know, we were on the verge of revolution ourselves in the you know the red summer of 1919. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Belam, they they whip out the Palmer raids on us and they do the first Red Scare and they mop us all up. That can happen. I mean, we thought shit was really going to change in 2020. Oh yeah, and. It didn't. Here we are. It changed, but like worse. (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's possible. Here's hoping. But maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about population. All right. Our next question from David. To my mind, Marxists have only concerned themselves with sharing out the economic pie fairly, but have ignored the issue of how many must get a slice of that pie. To my mind, someone uh, like Marx, who states that they believed in a planned economy, is a hypocrite, and indeed even an anti-communist, if they at the same time refuse to plan the size of a population to be supported by that economy. I understand that this would have arisen from Marx believing that the Malthusian explanation of poverty was a diversion from the issue of the wicked extent of inequality in the slums of industrializing Europe. Current communists, that's in quotes, perpetuate Marx's stupid inability to realize that both unfairness and the pressure of numbers can both contribute to bad outcomes. It particularly annoys me when today's communists and their capitalist mates both smugly declare that Malthus was wrong because the population has swollen dramatically since him and there's been no human collapse. Do they totally ignore the Holocaust of mass extinction that we are inflicting on their species? Do they ignore the ever more pressing intimations of impending human collapse and increasing global hunger? Malthus and Paul Ehrlich were out in their timing, at least in terms of human collapse, but in my opinion must ultimately be proven correct. Infinite growth is impossible in a finite world. Are there true communists out there somewhere? Those who realize that neither allocation of necessities for human welfare nor human numbers should be left up to individual greed. Another spicy one, IMO. All right. Yeah, I'll return a little bit of the spice to start with because it's my man, Marks. <laughs> uh, we love him. Which, and, and, and we love you too, David, for giving us this question. I think it's a good question. Yeah. I, you know, and, a little aggro. Well, these, these spices only being returned in good nature. <laughs> Marx was not an anti-communist, nor was he stupid. <laughs> I, would, I would say yeah to both of us. <laughs> uh, both Marx and Engels uh, railed against Malthus in their day. They wrote mm. uh, articles saying, here's this motherfucker Malthus. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> Uh, Who is this Malthus guy? So uh, I've heard of Malthusian. Yeah, this. So this is the guy, uh, Thomas. Thomas, I think Malthus. Let's find uh, out. Thomas Malthus. Yeah. So he was this rich asshole, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think he was like a clergy guy or something, or economist, something like this. Economist, uh, cleric, and scholar, influential in the fields of political economy and demography. He wrote a book, and he an was... An essay on the principle of population. Yeah, well, I guess an essay, but it was really long, so it's kind of a it book. It says book. Uh, and <laughs> in it, he says, okay, well, uh, food increases, uh, production of food, we, we keep producing more of that, uh, but population increases even more than that mm -hmm. and so really population only stops when you know uh, curtails its crazy growth when the poor start dying of lack of food so really we should be looking at like ways to delay that you know we don't really want to rely on brutal methods like war and them dying in large numbers of starvation so they should like marry later they should like, you know, there should just be population limitations is what his okay. ultimate argument was, was trying to say. Malthus had pretty stupid inabilities of his own, mm -hmm. uh, namely not being able to predict developments of today's world and having a shitty view of human beings. In, in the first place, the, the, the notion, his notion was that the poor and specifically, I mean, he called, he said the lower classes of people <laughs> uh, would just essentially reproduce like rabbits if left unchecked well can we look at the reasons why 
Yeah, I think that's what important. What year is this? 1798? So, I don't think you had a lot of birth control options, buddy. You don't have a lot of birth control, and people were doing this for a reason. Because their kids kept dying? Yeah. <laughs> their goal was, let's have like 15 kids. All right. Maybe five of them will survive. Not, yeah, not just to wake up, but yeah, five of them survived a childhood. Maybe two of them are, are still around whenever you're, if you're unfortunate enough to live past your working age, you have to have somebody to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Think about our, our reading of Ragged Trailer for Philanthropus. God, that was rough. Guys, I've had two glasses of wine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, your health was so impacted that you were lucky to make it past 40 and still have a working body. Yeah, so people were looking out for that, and this is why they were having these large uh, large families. It's not that they wanted 15 kids to raise. <laughs> it was a cruel numbers game that they had to that they had to engage in. And as those pressures have lessened, people have gradually been more free to have fewer or no kids. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, I mean, certainly in Western countries, this is obviously heavy, heavy caveat here but like there's a trend towards having fewer or no kids like yeah no there's a trend worldwide okay uh this this is worldwide almost without exception there are there are some countries that have not seen fertility rates decline uh but most countries have uh by a lot shout out to lorena my birth control doing great (laughs) yeah no there's many factors so one uh, big one is access to birth control uh public health measures sanitation uh all these things have both increased life expectancy Mm -hmm. and decreased uh fertility rates so you don't have to have a million because you know the one you have is gonna live yeah and so you know people are talking about different demographic challenges of like oh people living longer and the workforce usually sustains them so what do we do about retirement stuff you know that sort of thing yeah yeah that's a different problem than what malthus was talking about so 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 when you're talking about in the question worrying about leaving it up to individual greed i don't understand that at all well he's saying the individual greed of people just uh like i want to have a million kids right who wants that i mean maybe like two people want that but you don't have to go to the million kids Uh, a malthusian would say basically everyone can't afford to have you know three kids or whatever like it just shouldn't be up to you to get to choose your family size because we all have to have enough to go around Mm -hmm. but i would say if you take a step back and see how much we have already responded to these changing conditions and people have been free for the most part to make that decision for themselves it looks like usually they're going to opt for smaller families in today's world if they want a family at all mm-hmm. that's a big change from the malthusian uh sort Assumption. of argument yeah the last part i wanted to get to, to here is is your good is the good points that you're mm-hmm. making because i do think there's something that you're uh that you say here that is, I think, more or less correct or a correct concern to have, which is about the environment. I Yeah, absolutely. Like, I would say, yes, I am a communist who cares that we're killing a lot of species. Like, that fucking sucks. Yeah. And so this is one aspect where we can say, okay, well, that concern, let's talk about it. I wouldn't call it, talk about it in the in the Malthusian lens of saying the issue is we need There's to cut back people. Because... The way it's looking, we're going to peak in the middle of this century, is what they're thinking. Well, you mean climate collapse? Uh, well, probably, population. sure, but uh, popula- population numbers. Okay. So they're saying that's kind of the estimate so far. Why is that? Uh, well, the decline. So um, the de- declining fertility rates and everything oh. is going to 
level out or start declining around 2050-ish. Why is that? Well, if you have lower fertility rates... But why do we have lower fertility rates? People, we just talked about it. People are having less children. Oh, sorry. Children. I thought you meant like scientific, like it's harder to have kids. Oh, well, people don't know that one. There's <laughs> sus- suspicion and stuff. Those and microplastics making them babies crunchy. I've, I've heard people speculate on that. I have not read any studies on this. But National Institutes of Health Study was looking at uh, mm, okay, just, just the numbers in yeah. terms of people ostensibly choosing to have fewer children. Mm-hmm. And... The numbers leveling off or declining around there. You're looking at around 9.8 billion people. Okay. And, and at that point, we are just replacing people who die. I uh, guess. Like a reasonable replacement rate. Sure. Yeah. For either for a bit and then you start declining for a bit and, you know. It'll, Relatively it'll stable. Boom. Yeah. Stable out. Interesting. Stabilize out somewhere. I never considered that that would be the case, I guess. Yeah. I did always assume it would just keep going up. <laughs> yeah. It's, and and that's, that's sort of how Malthus looked at Yeah. Uh, but in my college, they had that. a uh, in one of the buildings they had a population counter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would just be like it would just go up all the time. Whoa, that's it was weird. Crazy. It'd just be like world population, blah, blah, blah. and then it just you just huh? like, and it was up the stairs too. So I just like look at it as I went up the stairs. Damn, people be fucking. <laughs> people are fucking. <laughs> so uh, I I skimmed this study that I'm talking about. Okay, okay. Tried to read some Ugh, parts of it for understanding. Are hard. You read yeah. the abstract. Well, several different parts of it, actually. Okay, good job. But uh, <laughs> You get further than I always do. The reason I was looking into this was because the question can still arise, even if we're going to level off the population, how are we going to feed them in a way that is good for the environment? Mm-hmm. Right? And they said, essentially, if you, if you crunch the numbers and everything, you look at what we're doing now, you extrapolate that out to 9.8 billion people, you're going to fuck up the planet. If you're doing it the way you're doing it. Yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're right. already doing that. Yeah. They're saying basically it's already pretty bad in uh-huh. terms of uh, Our land system. use and carbon emissions. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of nutrition. Yeah. And they, they, they did kind of a graph of like what we're producing uh, versus what we tell people is a healthy thing to consume. <laughs> and the funny part of the graph is like sugar where it's like, here's Oops. what we're producing. <laughs> we tell people we don't need to consume this. <laughs> Just dump it in the ocean, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Uh, which, of course, you know, produce some sugar. Cause yeah, it's sugar's good, good and I uh, like it. But, like, <laughs> see last episode. Our food system's fucked up. Yeah. So so they were, they were like, okay, well, uh, they were saying, how can we address these two issues? If you are dealing with that, let's talk about the dealing with that population in the future, the 9.8 billion. Yeah, yeah. If we'll you try to feed them the way you're, you know, do it, doing it now, it's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad news. If you try to feed them, you know, produce enough food to feed them the recommended diet <laughs> with our current ratio of proteins derived from plants versus oh, animals. still bad. It's even worse. Oh, no. In terms of the, not the nutrition aspect, but in terms of the ecological, ecological impact. Yeah. So they said, okay, what if we... Everyone went vegetarian. All vegetarian. Yeah. All the protein source comes from, from plant sources. Sure. We do 100% that. That is obviously better nutrition-wise because you're you're feeding them the good stuff. Uh, and it was better land use-wise and carbon emission-wise. Mm-hmm. That was really the only one of those that was sustainable. Damn. They then said kind of like, yeah, I think a pretty reasonable nuanced thing of like, that's not 100% attainable. Yeah, it's unlikely. There's, you know, cultural reasons and just regular people not wanting to do it, mm-hmm. you know. But that's what we need to kind of aim for is in that direction. Of, I think at least aiming for it would probably be a good call. Yeah. But 
from what they said, you know, it seems like that's a possible yeah. thing to do. Like, do some science. Like, you're getting really far with, with meat substitutes these days. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like we're not far out. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's a good point to raise. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the Malthusian emphasis on population running rampant is any longer relevant. Not because of the smug, oh, we had a population increase, but we had a food increase too. Because you're right, we did kind of trample a lot of, and led to the mass extinction of lots of, you know, things. Great thing, yeah. Yeah, and that was perhaps a brutal necessity at the time, Mm -hmm. but looking back, it's not the best, you know? Yeah. But it's already happened. Yeah. You can't fix it. You can fix the damage that you don't have to do in the future. And that's what I think we're talking about here. Well, I would think, I mean, this is my uh, hope slash assumption for the future, is that as we do move to, you know, our leftist society takes place. Hooray, we did it. Mm -hmm. Everyone has access to birth control, completely free, consistently, and a birth control that works right for them, because that's really hard to find. And you also have more community. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, I came very close in my life. This is, I, I almost didn't have kids because I spend some time with my nephew. And I was like, what if I just hang out with him all the time? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there could be people like that on the fence who are just like, well, I want to be around kids. But, like, I don't know if I want a kid. And if you have, like, a closer knit community, like we're always talking about on this show. like You can that, try it out. You can you can see if you actually want kids or if you just want to be around kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of friends who have made that kind of decision of, like, oh, yeah, I realize, like, I'd rather teach or I'd rather, you know, be in childcare in some way, but not as the primary caretaker. And yeah, I think the trend towards having fewer kids is going to continue. And I think that's, that's good. Um, And I do. Yeah, I agree. Our food system needs to radically change the way we use land needs to change. Like, I get worried when I hear kind of ideas or schemes of like, Oh, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll go to another planet or Mm -hmm. we'll start using the ocean for drinking water. Cause I'm still like, well, that's still not addressing the root of like, let's really rethink how we use resources, you know? Oh yeah. The ocean one, especially because unless you've actually perfected cold fusion, like infinite energy, Mm -hmm. you're, uh, (laughs) you're going to like, yeah, set a small neighborhood on fire to power your (laughs) desalinization plant. Oh man. Um, no, space exploration is interesting. I really think the only good way for us to do full-scale like space colonization and stuff of like going to we other planets. We need a new name. We can't just go out there saying colonization anymore. Well, there's no people. I guess, yeah. Uh, we assume. Yeah, if, if there are people, then that's, that's more <laughs> yeah, fucked up. Yeah, we can't do that until we have our shit together. But then exploration is different than sending people settlement, to start settle- space settlement. Maybe. That's settler. That's, that's not great. Yeah. Guys, come up with a better name for this. Workshop it. Um, but I, I, anyway, I, th- I think the only way that that can be done without seeing it is just... Conquering. Irresponsibly spreading the virus of capitalism into uh-huh. the stars uh-huh. is if a socialist project is doing it. Yeah, uh, I'm fine with, with that. Listen, no more space until we get our shit together. Okay, then you can no, go no. play with your new toys. Hey, man, I want them to explore. Um, I just don't want to, them to set up permanent settlements. They're and gonna shit. try to though. Oh, sure, they will. But they already are. Are they, or are they just money laundering? That's a great fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Okay, anyway. Closer to home, though, like we said, 
any revolutionary project that's going to be successful in freeing people from the yoke of capitalism mm-hmm. has to center the ecological question. I think so. You can't you can't not do that. Yeah, because if 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 you don't, you are freeing You'll people. You'll die. Yeah, the, the people you're freeing are dead. I had a they're, great year of freedom. <laughs> they're dead on a dead world, yeah. Uh, it's not going to work. Uh, we mentioned scientifically advancing productivity, this sort of mm-hmm. uh, Kropotkin-intensive mm-hmm. sort of idea. This, that's that's good. I think it probably has limitations. Uh, but the extent, you know, the extent of that works, that's great. Reducing waste. There's yeah. lots of things we could be doing for that. Yeah. You know, like they said in the study, encouraging a shift to plants... I mean, okay, this is super, I mean, this is sci-fi, but once you do get to sci-fi, once you get to replicators, like, from what I understand of my my Star Trek knowledge, like, those are just, like, all the nutrients you need as a human, but, like, packaged in a way that you enjoy, right? Yeah. Like, when you order, order, like, chicken curry, it's not actually chicken curry. No, it's just a real, it's like a pill, like a meal pill. Yeah, it's a meal pill, but that's delicious. Yeah. And that would be great. That'd be rad. That's that's what I want. Oh, I eat cake every day. Tacos 24 mm. 7. Yes, my little flautas. Dude, <laughs> we should have gotten flautas for Machisera tonight. They're so good. Missed opportunity. Yeah. All right. Thank you again, David, for your question because. It's a good question. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you raised a good point within a context that I think, you know, if you step back, you can see that while Malthus had a interesting observations for his time. And I think you you raise a good point in saying, like, there were problems with how people kind of smugly say, oh... He was we, totally wrong. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but what was the cost, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, I mean, I learned something. I didn't know the population was going to even out. Like, I'm a little relieved. Yeah, so that that's, I think, <laughs> what we have to step back and say is, like, eh, we don't have that population crisis coming. If anything, people sometimes talk about, like, oh, what if it's collapsed, which I don't think is mm. really... To be concerned about at all, I think that's more of this weird natalist sort of right wing stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a little different now in those terms. Cool. So thank you, David. Yes, thank uh, you. Marx was not stupid, but you are our friend. <laughs> you seem cool. <laughs> okay, next we've got one um, from a listener on IG, the Instagram. I've run into a mental roadblock concerning alternatives for prison. I think it's fair to say that most rad left people at least have a problem with the American prison system, if not with prison as a whole. I've definitely decided that I'm fully against prison as a quote unquote solution to crime. I don't really know what I recommend as the alternative. Obviously, people can't just get away with abusing the system. So something needs to be done to maintain some sort of order. I also don't know how I feel about forced community service, as that kind of just sounds like slavery as punishment for a crime. Okay, so how do we think this would look like in kind of our, you know, typically how we answer these sorts of questions? Like, what does it look like now? What could Mm. it look like in the near future? What does it look like in utopia land? All right, yeah. So, first of all, we uh, always, I like to cap these discussions every time because you got new listeners and whatnot, or you just forget. This is utopianism. Mark says it's bad. Engel says it's bad. We're supposed to. Yeah. We do it anyway. It's fun. Let me have my fun, damn it. Guilty pleasure. Yes. Uh, the reason that's said is because it's supposed to be worked out with the workers in the revolutionary moment. People are supposed to, not the moment, but in the, the conditions. Yeah. It depends, right? Mm-hmm. But we all agree, you know, prisons suck. They're harmful. What yeah. could we do that's different? Uh, let's start with the lefty capitalist society. Okay. All right. So I don't know how far left you want it. 
<laughs> we'll say the capitalists still control the economy, the state, society overall. But popular campaigns have pressured them to make some concessions. Prison reform. Yeah. Which we can all agree. Yeah, that'd be good. Like, see our works regarding Angela Davis. Um, we did a reading of Why Are Prisons Obsolete? Like, we definitely have touched on this before. Like, it's a fucking horror show in there. Yeah. And so prison reform, criminal justice reform, this is where we're going to make some ground up. But it's limited. Mm-hmm. It's still within the larger capitalist system, the struggle to survive. It's going to be a little bit fairer. But, uh, you know, people are still going to do property crimes. Mm-hmm. You might have universal health care, since most capitalist states have that as a concession. <laughs> we don't even have that. So uh, you, you'll probably get there if you're doing a lefty What about private prisons? Uh, no, I mean, that would be out. Okay. That would, I mean, that's an easy, I think that's an I easy one. I think that's an easy one, but surprisingly not in this country. Oh, sure. But if you're going leftward, I think that's one of the first stops you're going to do mm-hmm. is, hey, no private prisons, right? Some low hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I think conditions wise, you're not going to have as desperate of an economic situation. You're not going to have as desperate of a mental health situation or healthcare situation or addiction situation, that sort of thing. So certain elements are going to reduce your crime rates a little, but not a lot. Yeah, if you're going in a a left direction. Yeah. Also, you have limits in terms of what you can do with the police because they're still going to be the guard dogs of capital. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you can't radically transform that. You can take some measures to rein them in. Mm -hmm. So you might see disarmed Mm -hmm. cops, even, you know, the tasers, you could take, take those away. You can make them more visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, car wise, you, you know, you see these very predatory cop cars is like black on black, white yeah. on white. And it's like, my, how so, did, was I supposed to know? It says protect and serve on there, but I can't see that. I'm how am I supposed to go to you for help, you know, for anything? <laughs> That's because you don't. These guys are hunting no. you, yeah, not the other way, you know. It's so you could change that, you know, maybe get them out of their cars, they're idling half the time, half their lives, <laughs> get them out walking around with the people or something. I don't know, small little things like prosecuting them. When wow. they do terrible crimes. Imagine that. Uh, transparent civilian oversight over police departments. Because, mm-hmm. hey, you can say, oh, they're honestly working, you know, for the government and stuff. So we should be able to see that. Yes. And and, and uh, have control over that. And also drastically reducing what they do. And their budget. And their budget. Yeah. You should pump that money into other types of responders mm-hmm. who can go help someone with a mental health crisis help people in emergency situations mm-hmm. ways that don't involve bringing you know a gun to the situation <laughs> yeah a meathead and a gun <laughs> now to to the prison side of it we already said ban the prisons yeah no uh the private prisons rather yeah <laughs> i mean i like all of it but they won't let you ban the regular prisons yet. no most you could do is move it toward a more norwegian model of it a rehabilitative mm-hmm. prison which Honestly, is kind of the best case you can do with the prison at all. If you're going to have a prison, it should be like intense therapy is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like you can't leave. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're going to be. But that's like the main punishment is there is the, you can't leave. You can't leave. But no. you're very well taken care of. And we are actively working to work on your issues. Yeah. And it's it's, you know, a little played up in terms of the you know luxury. and everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's a. Bare bones college dorm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not that. I'm saying ideally, but, but yeah, uh, you can you know pump more money into mm-hmm. those types of prisons uh, to hire qualified staff to 
I mean, it's going to be hard if you're not just saying, hey, stay in your cell. Don't kill somebody. You know, it's a lot harder job to provide that sort of security, but also like literally try to teach people, try to rehabilitate them. Mm -hmm. All these things. Slavery in prisons should be abolished. Yeah, definitely. That's an easy one. That's another. Yeah. Another easy one. Uh, Lessening sentences for most crimes. Pretty much most of them. All of them, really. You're really trying to see this is where it's kind of hard because a capitalist society is still not going to want to completely focus on rehabilitation because it still wants to it still has to maintain its hierarchy through might like it still has to punish. Yes. Because Make examples. Yeah, because even if you take away the profit incentive of, of private prisons and, and slave labor in prisons of like, yeah, I'm, I am incentivized to get more people in here because mm. hell yeah, more free license plates, whatever it is. Yeah, but capitalist societies do have some bans on particular ways of making money. So you could... You could say, okay, no more of that. Yeah. But even with, with those things gone, those obvious levers for, yes, more prison... You still have to have it as a threat for, hey, don't overthrow capitalism. Yeah. (laughs) And so you're not going to be able to 100% do all the prison reforms you want to, even restricting yourself to prison reforms that still have prisons, but they're nice. Mm -hmm. You're still not even going to be able to go all the way in that direction without having that punishment element if you're going to stay within capitalism. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important limitation to draw out. Totally. Uh, But you could do things like... Uh, like we said, lessening sentences, community service wise. I think the only, the only way I could consider getting around that, cause I think it's somewhat useful in general, not in like, you know, oh, let's build this thing or really exploitative things maybe, but just cleaning up stuff. Cleaning up trash or I think like, you can volunteer at nursing homes or something. Maybe if mm. it's nonviolent, but it's, so I get what you're saying about, Oh, you have to do this or else. The or else could be you could just do the rehabilitation in prison. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a nicer prison to go to. Yeah, or you pay a fine, which is what they do. Well, well, I don't like fines, I don't like that either because that's enough. just yeah. But it's within capitalism, so that would work. That would be... I mean, it would. That's the thing. That's the sad <laughs> thing. We're still in that. Yeah. So I mean, that could be an alternative too. I think an easy fix or fix as well, but remedy as well would be legalizing drugs. Yay! Uh, pumping more money, like we said, into healthcare and mental health and rehabilitation. Yeah. And stuff yeah. I like mean. That. These are all things that would be cool, but would require, honestly, I think capitalism gets in the way of all those things. You know, like we're, we're saying like, oh, this is assuming you can work in a capitalist system. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if you can do that. You won't be able to do it very easily. You put it that way. Yeah. And you can. Other countries do it. Let's be clear. Yeah. And I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. If it happened, I'd be very happy about it. I just, I wonder if I'm opposed to putting... Pop, putting the uh, spending, the popular might that was needed to get the capitalists to concede to these things, mm-hmm. spending that on getting them to concede to those things instead of spending it on uh, maybe other priorities. But I don't, I don't know if that's fair or not. Ooh, you know, okay. Like things to improve unionization efforts mm-hmm. and, and make it easier to that because that's a prime, effort, prime avenue of of organizing and and getting to the revolutionary moment faster. Yeah. But on the other hand, prisons provide a large population of potentially revolutionary people. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, question of priorities, that's not the question. <laughs> uh, social estate. All right, what are we doing here? So lots of varieties, pick your stripe, I don't care. 
main thing is working class has control of the means of production. Mm-hmm. Old capital estate. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later. Replaced it with one that works for the workers. Crime-wise, what are we talking about? Lots of it, gone. Crime, reduced by a yeah. lot, right? Yeah. People have more of their needs met. Over time, uh, I think crime would decrease as a result of that. People emerge from the capital lake. They become drier and drier boots in the sunshine <laughs> of socialism. Lovely. <laughs> they become less shitty, right? Yeah, yeah. They're in less shitty of circumstances. You're, you are not incentivized to grab everything that's not bolted on the floor. Yeah, exactly. You're living in a humane society. <laughs> so, I mean, people are still going to fuck up. Yeah, like, okay, I was reading about... It was funny. I was reading about the difference between sociopath and psychopath and mm. i know we had looked this up last week but i forgot and yeah. so i was like damn my phone is gonna think that like people in my life think i'm crazy because <laughs> both my brother and my husband have looked this up for me <laughs> so i was like is christine okay <laughs> people are worried about them but um but it was saying you know sociopaths are more likely to like develop from circumstances where a psychopath can be a more genetic thing mm, okay. so you even if, you know, all your social factors are taken care of, you have a healthy system of, you know, good health care, good mental health care, support for parents, you know, a community of adults that take care of kids and really mm-hmm. look out for them and are like, hey, you know, well, so-and-so is fucking with an animal. Let's go. Let's go talk to that kid. Yeah. Um, you could still have, you know, a, a mentally ill person who likes to hurt people. Yeah. Brain is an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. It can, it can go Ill. wrong in a lot of ways. Chemicals are weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have psychopaths mm-hmm. or corrupt officials mm-hmm. or, yeah, somebody kills somebody because they're angry. Things happen. Or maybe somebody collaborates with an imperialist country and tries to bring down your government. Ew, you can yeah. kill that one. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually a question that popped into my mind as we were talking about the punishment balance of capitalism uh-huh. is capitalism has to punish because it has to maintain its you know authority its hierarchy over people in an unwanted way but socialist states would ostensibly have to maintain their authority on behalf of the people and so there is an element that says maybe they need to still retain some aspect of punishment mm. for people who try to overthrow the government or try to do these these kind of uh, in more of a Catholic way, these cardinal sins, <laughs> these immortal sins of actually doing anti, you know, counter-revolutionary I mean, things. yeah, we talked about this earlier. Like, sometimes you do have to kill your prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> Rehabilitation. Uh, you know, maybe that's that should be 100% dedicated. I mean, you should mm-hmm. try to rehabilitate even the people who do that. Maybe. You know? Good luck. If there's no value in punishing, that makes you look worse. Mm-hmm. And you should instead say, well, we're going to try to reform you. Then if you're irreconcilable, blam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there has to be some sort of protection involved. And I think Kropotkin said, you know, like, okay, everyone's kind of doing their own policing. Like, hey, this guy's like trying to fuck shit up. Like, let's get him. Yeah. You know, like. If anything, you'll be very socially ostracized and like, fuck that guy. He's trying to bring capitalism back. Like, yeah, boo. No thanks. No one hang out with him. Like, he fucking sucks. Uh, or you could exile them. Yeah, I yeah. think it's kind of poetic justice is just send them to. You're king of nothing. Send them to a slum in America and say, good luck, buddy. You love it so much there, these, these guys. You know, <laughs> pull you yourself up by your bootstraps, buddy. Yeah, see how it works. Uh, anyway, police. We're not going to have the old We're not going to have that. 
the old slave patrol descendants. Mm-mm. I read this. This was I was just kind of trolling the not in a responded people way. I was looking through trolling, trolling. Yeah, I was trolling the the re- the communist and socialist subreddits about mm-hmm. this question, and someone mentioned a policy that I liked, and so I wanted to bring it on the show. Okay. Is uh, we should ban police officers from political life <laughs> for their lives or for a long period of time until maybe until they've gone undergone some sort of re-education uh, program. Yeah. Uh, similar to like how they did, except a more way more harsh version than what they ended up doing uh, with Confederate officers after mm, Civil War. Yeah. Because we should basically say you were an enemy uh, in the class war mm-hmm. and you're out of this political community until... <laughs> until you have proven to be not a shithead. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fucking fair. Yeah, I was just like, hey, I think cool. all bosses maybe have to do that, too. Like, Boss, can you take a landlords. course to see if you're cool? Landlords, yeah. Yeah. Like, were you actually, like, did you need this to survive, or, like, were you being a shithead? Right. And, you know, again, if, if it was, is your vacation rental thing, this is okay. Oh, this like, is okay, kind cool. of a You pass. don't have that anymore, but, like, move on with your life, please. Yeah, yeah. Not, not throwing everyone under the bus there. We've had questions about that before. We have, we have. Class enemies, I think, have to, you have to, but we're back to the police question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those guys are gone. They're no longer the police. In a socialist state, though, to make use of the tool that is the state on your behalf, you're going to have to have enforcement. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to have something that resembles it. Is basically the police. You can call it something else, some sort of. The People's you know, Army or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, it's going to do that kind of function. Yeah. And it stinks in our minds yeah. because of what the police are to us. But you got to make that leap of saying this government is doing something completely different. It's literally actually our government and is going to be doing things to help us. It's It seems naive mm-hmm. from our perspective because that's just like what people tell you. Like, oh, but you vote for these candidates. They're your government. Mm-hmm. You know, they work for you. But... Same really? with the police. Protect and serve. Like, okay. Yeah, but really. <laughs> okay, so so examples, I guess, of that functioning. Okay, so I'm thinking of, of some kind of common, quote-unquote, needs for police in, in an early socialist state would be like, okay, yeah, someone is, is a counter-revolutionary. Like, yeah, we'll go around that guy up. That seems pretty straightforward. Like, yeah, you should probably do that. And I don't have a gun, so can I call the guy with the gun to come do that? Yeah, that guy's recruiting people to fight for a foreign country. Yeah, that fuck guy's, that. You know, trying to gather up weapons to do a revolution. Yeah, you know, shit like that. But what about like smaller things of like, oh, this guy cut in front of me in the food line? Uh, no. What? No, you can't. Yeah, that's can't what I'm call saying. the cops. On so that. like, what do I? I just have to let you like, oh, that guy was a jerk. Yeah, you have interpersonal conflicts. I okay, mean, you know, okay. You, you can't... I'm not going to... Oh, I wasn't saying I was going to. No, but... but you, for for pettier things or for things that are just like what we would consider not even like a, a level above, or like cheating or... or so you think more like civil disputes? Civil sort of disputes of, of that or of like traffic, like, oh yeah, like someone, you know, ran a red light or whatever or like... Someone, huh. like, I don't give a shit that much about it. Unless you cause an accident, then, like, okay. I'm thinking of, like, smaller things, I guess. Like, a level between, like, <laughs> starting you. a counter-revolution and murder. Like, okay, I, yeah, I would like someone to deal with those violent crimes. But, like, things that are definitely I don't want happening, but are happening. Yeah. So, I think the cops right now are, A, terrible. But yeah, B, they suck. <laughs> but, B, one of the reasons they're terrible is they're misapplied, mm-hmm. like, 
you're just saying, I want somebody who can blow somebody's dome off from 300 yards. But also somehow help me when I've had an accident. Yeah, and also go investigate crimes. Mm -hmm. It's just, no. No. This is not going to work. You need a therapist. You need a negotiator. You need a social worker. You need a million other people before you need them. And that's what I want. So if if I need, so there's going to be some people there specialized in apprehending people mm-hmm. right you know, you, you know we got to go around up this guy i mean that could just be like the army yeah you could i mean uh, the united states and various countries have different traditions of this the u.s is very opposed to using the military for anything domestically pretty mm-hmm. much but other countries don't have that hang up mm-hmm. so it's it's possible yeah you and if run. it's the people's army like all yeah. right cool they should um but that's a unique situation you're right like if you're involved in a traffic situation you need to send obviously first responders in terms of like Isn't medical care and yeah. everything lots of you know you can send investigators to figure out like who did what mm-hmm. maybe you do have to send the apprehension team if somebody runs or something. yeah yeah but, like, if there's if there's an assault or something like yeah sure yeah but i mean they just in the u.s anyway we have this it's it's a your gut response like oh someone's someone in my neighborhood is walking around looking crazy like you should be able to call a mental health person instead of just jumping to 911. Yeah, or, you know, especially depending on how long this is after the revolution, go talk to them. Go figure yeah. things out. Or, like, go determine if this situation needs escalation in the first yeah. place. Or, like, the, the the cutting in line example. I know that sounds very petty. But, like, the manager can just be like, hey, don't do that. Or, like, you can't come here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, I won't let you in. We'll, just, we'll all lock the door. We will be, the correct term here is, I guess, we will be less atomized. That's right? a good point. So we will be in closer unity with each other, better able to communicate and mm-hmm. work things out and feel less of the need to escalate things in this sort of, you know, yeah. Karen-ish way. Yeah, we have we a very have. fear-based society right now. Yeah. But cops-wise, point is, there's still going to be some sort of a thing that resembles cops. But like we said, but in the lib society, they're going to be way, doing way fewer things. I mean, essentially, those reforms, you know, you're, you're going to have those in place. The big difference, I think, is they're going to be working for you rather than an occupying force, you know. only reason they're going to be against you is if you're some sort of capitalist asshole. Because mm-hmm. even if they're going after you specifically, oh, they're going to go arrest you for something you did. They're still not really against you, like, as a class. They're trying to bring you back into like, hey, don't, society. Is, they have a good thing going. Please don't fuck this up. Yeah, you've you know transgressed in some way. And maybe you can make the argument that that's how it is in capitalism, too. They're trying to save you from yourself. But <laughs> they're class enemies. They are. <laughs> All right, uh, police, we got it. <laughs> uh, prisons, I mean, again, I think now you can fully focus on rehabilitation. Absolutely. In addition, I think this opens us up to being able to investigate and fix things societally. Mm-hmm. So you got someone coming in, you know, they, they've murdered someone or they started hoarding stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, why did they do that? Like, where did we fall short as a society in making that happen. Yeah. And we're going to try to address, you know, this person's needs and and fix what's happening here. But we also need to not have this people come in with this again. Yeah. Do we need better parenting classes? Do we need more uh, people in the school to be aware of like warning signs or something? Do we need more training for teachers? Do we need more after school programs? So people aren't just like hanging out and like just cooking up trouble or something, you know, like, yeah, what, what gap do we have? Right. Do we need more 
fun activities because people are seeking a thrill or something like and I think the socialist society is able to address this, whereas the capitalist is not. Capital society, what is, you know, they are making concessions in this department, mm-hmm. but they're not about trying to rewrite the whole thing. The whole thing, its engine is profit. Money. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fixing this social ill so they can continue to make money, mm-hmm. right? They're not <laughs> in it to fix every little problem like we would be. Mm-hmm. We're trying to build a We're good society for people. Yeah. So that would be a difference. Yeah. I think. And I'd say like pretty much all these answers would apply to the anarcho-communist society too. Like I, yeah. I think pretty much same. <laughs> pretty much same. I would argue that once you get to that point, so. Maybe a little more localized or something, but. It depends. I mean, if you're, uh, well, mm. it's a difference of philosophy. If yeah. you are making the jump to anarcho-communist society immediately, I don't know that you're going to be around long enough to solve it all, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you are, that's fantastic, and Good I agree. Job. It's probably the same, um, probably the same as we described. But if you get there because you like worked your way through the transition process and ended up in the utopia, then you probably don't end up with the prison system at all, or it's like you don't got a lot of problems to worry about. You're yeah, doing all right. It's like one building or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like one guy. Like yeah, that's that's him. He's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Stay yeah. away from his house. The anti-hierarchical part would probably, you probably maybe don't even have a prison. Maybe you rely more on something like exile. Or yeah, that's what I was thinking. can't hold can't people against. That. Yeah. Do you, side question, mm-hmm. do you consider yourself more anarcho-communist these days? I go back and forth, honestly. Um, I think I still, I still have a great appreciation for it, and I think we should all... I think we should all agree that it's the goal. Oh yeah, I. <laughs> but sure. but I think a lot of people get hung up on that and and go like, well, that's just too ridiculous. Like I, you know, that's too far out there. You know that kind of stuff. Mm, so like how to get there? Yeah, I I guess my thing is like I don't care how we get there. I just want us to get there. So you're like agnostic. Or... I am agnostic. I, I guess. Don't know. I, I don't know. Pantheistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Communist tendencies. Yeah. Whatever works. Whatever works, yeah. All right. I'm down. And even if it's fucking reformist, like, fuck, sure, okay. Dude, yeah. I Make it happen, like, now, like, as we speak. Yeah, <laughs> I really presidential hope. election has happened. <laughs> the deep state, but it's communist. But it's ours. <laughs> we got it. All um, right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you from Pretty, pretty Rad, Dude. Rad Dude. That was a rad question. Okay. Well, thank you all to our great listeners for sending in questions um feel free to send in one now and we'll get you on the next mailbag we actually didn't get through our whole question list for this episode so keep them coming <laughs> we'll we'll put them in the archive we've got a running doc and we'll we'll get them answered eventually so yeah nothing time sensitive please because you'll be disappointed probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, next week we'll be shooting the shit and yeah, let us know how you like that new format. I'm enjoying it. It's a lot less pressure. I'll say that a lot easier to edit. <laughs> Good deal. Uh, yeah, I, I like it too. So really, if, if you really hate it first, reconsider. And then if you still really hate it, I mean, I guess you can tune us. in every other week then <laughs> you'll be fine. No, if, if, okay, we got to do mass line. If everybody's like, if no, everybody this is the worst, it, then, then sure. we'll listen. We'll listen. <laughs> Okay, cool. We'll talk to you next week. Let's play some Mario Kart. All right. See you. Bye. 
Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.